So our reading tonight is from Titus chapter 3. And when I find it, I'll tell you where it is in the Pew Bible. Thank you, Brian. Ah. <laughs> Page 119. Okay, Titus chapter 3. <clears throat> reading from verse 1. Remind the people to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passion and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. As soon as I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, sounds right, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way, and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good, in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. I thought it would be appropriate tonight, um, seeing as it's the week just before a holiday Bible club, and it's a week after, well, a fortnight after, a lot of people have been giving out these, the BBC News. Um, I was thinking a lot when it came to prayers of intercession about our church in our community. Um, and, you know, this... I find these very useful because I forget what's going on, but um, it also kind of gives you a roadmap for a lot of the things that are happening over the next year. I'm pretty sure if I want to know who's preaching in the second Sunday in February, it's probably in here. Is that fair, Sam? Yeah. Um, but more than that, it paints this picture of all of these things that I forget happen around this place. All of these things that because I'm maybe not in the right age demographic, I'm not young enough, I'm not old enough, whatever it is, I kind of forget about. So I want to pray for those things and then more off the back of that. So let's, let's take a little moment and just pray together. Heavenly Father, you know, the, the annual effort in church to give out our BBC news, to kind of set our stall out as a church family for the next 12 months, remind us of something greater, Lord. They remind us of our hope and our desire to share the good news of Jesus with our neighbors and the Bloomfield community that is around us. Lord God, thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for this good news that you have given us to share. Thank you, Lord, that you commission us to, sh to share in the work of Jesus, Lord. We feel overwhelmed by that, and it, it still, no matter how many times we hear it, doesn't quite sound right, and yet you do. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us resources to share, homes to open, buildings to use. We pray we would 
learn the gospel outlook to use these things, Lord, with hearts to seek and respond to all who do not know you yet. Lord, we can, we can pick up a BBC News and we can pray for all of the organizations in the year ahead, from BB to Bowles, from Guides to Soup Club. And all of these things, Lord, are opportunities as a church to welcome people in. And we pray for that, Lord. We pray for those who lead, for those who will become leaders, for those who come, Lord. We pray that those would be welcoming places. We pray for all that takes place down at Walkway, Lord, which is our first sort of step out into the community. It's our, it's our nearest neighbor into that. We pray especially for the Holy Bible Club that comes up this week, Lord, and for the connections that are there, for the, the kids uh, who will come into that, for the families that will come into that, Lord, who maybe this isn't their church, maybe they don't have a church, Lord, maybe they don't know you. And Lord, may that be a, a window uh, in the midst of all of the activity and all of the, the wonderful things that go on, Lord, to share you and to share your love. Lord, we ask for help as we seek to live thankful lives in our own homes and families. Many of us maybe feel that our everyday lives are the hardest place to speak to people of you, whether that's at home, whether that's in work or in school. Help us to see, Lord, that in your kingdom, there's no difference between Sunday and every day. You are with us, Lord, that you encourage us, that you strengthen us. And Lord, you would give us the grace to simply love others and to love you. And that everything else will follow from these. Lord God, may we seek first your kingdom and righteousness, knowing that all other things will be added onto this, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would go with us and you would go before us as we try to do this. We pray this in the name of your loving son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you, Pete and the musicians. No, thank you, Pete and the other musicians uh, for leading us in our worship and praise. Turn, please, to Titus chapter 3. Now, it, during this summer, when people are away and then are back uh, in our preaching uh, cycle, what we normally do is have a loosely connected series where each sermon is a standalone, so that people who just come for one or for two and miss one in the middle don't, don't miss too much, so that they are linked and yet they are also standalone. I, uh, uh, Ruth and I were uh, grandchildren sitting last week, so we didn't uh, hear Frank last uh, Sunday, so I don't know what he said. Uh, and for those of you who haven't being part of this series of three, uh, let me give you a text and then let me park it and I'll do a quick run through the previous two chapters and develop most of my time on the later part of the book. First of all, the text. Chapter, this shows how old I am. Young men never have texts now, but there we are. I'm going to ignore it a bit, so they'll say, well, I can see why. Okay, uh, Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, where Paul writes this. I want you to stress these things, we'll see what these things are later, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. So that 
those who have trusted in God, the, the believers in Crete, whatever part of Crete uh, this church was, may take care to devote themselves. So you have a double emphasis on treating this very seriously. To do what? To doing what is good. Now, this morning I was uh, talking to uh, one of our members who told me that during the week he was, or maybe the week earlier, he was delivering uh, the uh, booklets in the district. Uh, Adley's time at well, we weren't there to do that. No dozers. Uh, anyway, he was delivering the booklets. We do it through every one of the, is it 5,000 doors in our parish so that everybody in our parish receives a booklet from uh, Bloomfield. And he told me rather the disturbing fact that uh, he was putting them through the doors and walking on and suddenly uh, a, a woman from a house where he had just delivered the pamphlet rushed up to him uh, and thrust the pamphlet back in his hand and said she didn't want much to do with Presbyterians because they had just excluded two of her family. More or less, that was what was her message. People who feel excluded from the PCI. It's not a good time to be a Presbyterian if you want to be loved in the community, right? And uh, this series was selected before that brouhaha of now, it's about two months ago, beginning of, of June. So that this series wasn't selected for this situation. And yet, in the providence of God, this series and our final uh, message from this series speaks directly to it, I think. But what is the series? It, it, it starts off uh, where, uh, and, and this is a, a quick overview, where one chapter, chapter one, verse three, uh, where Paul gives the reason why he is writing to Titus, his young uh, companion. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was unfinished. Paul was an itinerant evangelist. He was so concerned to share the gospel that he didn't stay too long in many places. Oh yes, I know he spent two years in Ephesus and periods uh, maybe not quite as long as that elsewhere. But in the main, he was moving from place to place, preaching the gospel, finding churches, and then leaving one of his junior associates to uh, build the church up as he went on. And his letters are to churches that he had uh, founded or to individuals who were ministering in churches that he had founded, helping them do just that, take the church on. And uh, th this church had been established 
but it still needed to be straightened out. They needed to get their church polity right, to get elders, so clearly they were Presbyterians, uh, and uh, all of that. Uh, but, but he has two main points in the three chapters, and there are these. The importance of sound doctrine, and we'll look at this in a moment, and the importance of living out doctrine, that sound doctrine, in practice. So it's all about doctrine, but practice. And towards the end, he stresses more practice than he does doctrine, but he doesn't ignore that. Paul, in the three chapters, locates this double aspect in three different contexts. Chapter 1, he's talking about the local church. And he talks about elders, and he talks about the kind of people that elders should be, the quality of their lives. As Frank pointed out, chapter 1 is more about the kind of people that Christian leaders should be, not although it's also important, the kind of things that they should do. It's more about the kind of people they should be. Appoint elders, and then he deals with false teachers in the church. And these are, are men who claim to know God, but by their actions, verse uh, 16 of chapter 1, by their actions, they deny him. Here you have the link of belief and practice. We sometimes think that when you're thinking about faith and works, where you should go to in the New Testament is the epistle of James. You know, faith without works is dead and all of that. But in fact, there is much more on this theme of faith and works in the three pastoral epistles, the two to Timothy and the one to Titus. That's, as well as James, we should also go there, and that's where we're going tonight. Chapter 1, the local church. Chapter 2, this double emphasis in the family, uh, where he talks about you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine, verse 1. And then he deals with the different categories in the family. He starts off with my generation and gender, the old men. And then he moves on to the old women and the younger men and the younger women. He's, he's dealing with different groups in the family. And he ends up with somewhere we would never end up with, with slaves or servants, or if you like in today's society, employees. The same message, sound teaching, and practical out living. And uh, with that, he gives us clear teaching on the grace of God, verses 11 and following, uh, leading to the blessed hope that makes of us a people eager to do good. Eager to do 
good. That's a powerful phrase. And then in chapter uh, 3, the same double emphasis, but this time in the wider society. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, the civic authorities, and so on. Okay. So let's now uh, look at what he is saying. Lots of things I can't dis- uh, discuss because even though I have the guts of half an hour on a Sunday night, there's a lot more in this. I'm just confining myself to his two main things, which are belief and practice. I have four points. You have never discovered points. No, I have four points. Uh, This is a transgenerational thing. He abused me this morning. (laughs) But uh, I work on the principle that by the amount of abuse you get is in direct proportion to the way people love you. (laughs) That's something particularly Ulster about it, isn't it? Yeah, you you abuse the people you love. uh, And if you don't like people, you just... You just don't say anything about them. Or you shouldn't say anything. Uh, that's, I'm digressing. Okay, f- four H's. H number one, uh, he's teaching about uh, the head. Verse one uh, of chapter one, he talks about the truth that leads to godliness. The truth that leads to godliness. Christian truth has to be in our heads, of course, but it has to lead to godly living. And if it doesn't, we don't really believe it in the full biblical sense. It's the preached message entrusted to Paul in Uh, chapter 1 and verse 1, that he had received, and in his preaching, he was passing on. Remember in in 2 Timothy, uh, where Paul talks about uh, to young Timothy, what he has received from faithful witnesses and passed on to Timothy, Timothy has to pass on to faithful men who will teach others also. Here is the transmission of Christian truth before the New Testament was written from one generation to another. And we are called to transmit that truth and to hand it on. And they were, chapter 1 and verse 9, to hold on to it firmly. So the emphasis in this uh, uh, book, and especially in chapter 3, is on uh, doing good and living well, but we mustn't ignore the element of holding on to the truth. Then in in chapter 2 and verse 1, he moves on to this phrase, sound teaching. Now, sometimes we parody 
the, uh, the old chorus, I am H-A-P-P-Y. You ever heard of that? No, never mind. Uh, and uh, the, the way we paraphrase one of uh, I am L-O-V-E-D, I am H-A-P-P, no? Oh, well, you're feeling them. Yeah. Uh, and one of the ways we para paraphrase it is I am S-O-U-N-D, you know, sound, I'm sound, brother, sound. Uh, but sound means, of all things, Sound in body and mind, it's nothing to do with what you hear. It's to do with health. It's to do with health. It, it's the word that we get hygiene from. And this teaching is teaching that is healthy. We've just been with the grandchildren, and uh, their sets of parents are both very, well, young middle-class parents now are, uh, very concerned about not giving the kids junk food. So instead of getting chocolate bars, uh, they get something that's related to fruit, which they suck. Uh, they, uh, it, they don't go near crisps except on special occasions like a birthday party. Why? Well, because children, and we all, need to eat healthily, do we not? And the papers are full about child obesity and all of that. And sound teaching is teaching which is healthy to imbibe, to eat, to consume, and leads to a health, to health in body and mind and spirit, and you, you get this word sound in uh, chapter one, verse thirteen, chapter two, verse one, chapter two, verse two, uh, chapter two, verse eight. So Paul is concerned about their spiritual health, and that is related to what we take in. Good teaching, which has been handed down, isn't junk food. It leads to spiritual health. And then, uh, thirdly, thinking about teaching, in, throughout we find references to false teachers, uh, in, mainly in chapter 1 rebellious people, ruining whole households. Uh, Timothy is, uh, Titus is to rebuke them sharply. Why? Because though they claim to know God, they deny him by their actions. So we must stand for the truth. If it's unpopular, if it is the truth, if it is sound truth, as is found in the Scriptures, then we cannot discard it. So, their heads have to be in the right place. Secondly, their heart has to be in the right place. At chapter 1 and verse 8, the elder is to be a lover of good. 
And in chapter 2 and from verse 11, Paul tells us uh, why we should be eager to do good. Sometimes we do good because out of duty. It's what we should do, and so we do it. But sometimes there's not a great deal of joy or enthusiasm. Oh, another church chore. Oh, another uh, something the neighbor needs a hand. And so we say, oh, well, let's get on with it. And we do it. We lack the eagerness to do good. 2.11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So he tells them that they have to hold on to sound teaching, and he reminds them of key parts of it including the way in which it was the kindness, the grace of God which brought salvation, and of our future hope, what he calls the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness. If God has done all of that, if he's done all of that, then how can we refrain, refrain from doing good with eagerness? Now, eagerness... If you're eager to do something, eagerness tends to restrict you. You know, if you're eager and an enthusiast, enthusiasts can't be enthusiastic about everything. They're just enthusiastic about some things. Um, there's, I'm not a, an authority on sambas, uh, uh, but I have seen the carnival, uh, there's a, a one-note samba. Anybody heard of the one-note samba? Uh, well, just, it, it goes like this. See why it's one note? Then it changes a wee bit. Now, is that boring? Yes, when William Adley is giving you the tune. 
it's boring. But whenever a good samba band is going, it is beautiful. Then there's a later bit which goes da 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 but I won't give you that. It, it's one note, but it, and so our enthusiasm is, is restricted, but it's restricted to what? To doing good in the church, chapter one, in the family and all its ramifications, chapter two, and in wider society, chapter three. So it's respect, restricted to doing good, but doing good isn't restricted. It embraces all people all conditions, everyone in society. How do we match up to that? Not very well. Say I about me, you can say about you. Well, how are we going to do Good. Point four, and there are just two aspects of this. One I suspect that Frank dealt with last week because we were comparing notes before I went off and uh, he uh, told me he was going to handle this. Uh, in chapter two, how do we do it? We adorn. Two and verse ten. What are we to do? We are to adorn the doctrine, or the, the NIV translates it at the end of verse 20. In every way, they will make the teaching more attractive. We are to adorn Christian teaching and make it more attractive how? By living it out. Everybody's welcome, we say on our church notice boards and that kind of thing. But we all know that everybody isn't welcome. And they know it's baloney. We've got to adorn the doctrine. You know, you have that face that looks out of you first thing in the morning from the mirror. Yeah, and you go, oh dear. And you reach for, I don't know, whatever you reach for. I'll play safe and say a comb. And uh, you put things into order. And I was, had to kill time in the airport and when you're trying to kill time in an airport and you can't escape, you wander about W.H. Smith's. And I go along the, uh, the magazines and I come to one called Men's Health. Have you ever seen Men's Health, boys? It, it, it's, uh, it, it, well, I don't know if it's porn or not. I never went near it. <laughs> but but it, it, it has pictures of these young men who have... Amazing stomachs. You know, it, I don't know, this, is it a six-pack? <laughs> you, you know, 
boy, so I, I, I look at myself and I don't see a six-pack, I see a crumpled duvet in my ear. <laughs> but what are we told here to do? The, the, the cosmetic, and that's the, the root from, did, did Frank say that last week? You don't know? Okay, there's something. New. It, it, it's, and it's the word for order. So adorning is putting into order. Getting the hair right, whatever, whatever you've got to do, you do it. it. It's both to be attractive, but also I'm told that you feel much better when you're looking your best. Now, Are we adorning the doctrine? Are we making it attractive? Looking back to the assembly, uh, as I said, the, the teaching of the doctrine committee report, the controversial one, its theology was impeccable. But nobody, but nobody would believe that we are people of compassion. That didn't come out. It's mentioned, but it didn't come out as it should. So we have to show to the lady who spoke to one of our members uh, and give back the BPC booklet, we have to show that we are people of compassion. People of compassion. Adorn. And then the, my final point is uh, in this. We have to advance. Uh, chapter 3 and verse 8, the text that I started with is, devote yourself to doing what is good. And chapter, uh, verse 14 is also, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good. Exactly the same phrase. And the word to devote yourself isn't the normal word for devoting yourself. It, it means to, to be front of the, in front of the queue, to, to be out, to stand out in front it's used in, in other passages in the New Testament by Paul to refer to leaders, uh, people who are at the front. And so Paul, uh, I think here, is saying that Christians have to be at the front in doing good. That's the challenge with us. That's the challenge. Conclusion. This morning, and it, it's great to have illustrations which you don't anticipate, but this morning somebody was being congratulated on yet another birthday. And he was of an age that uh, you don't appreciate another birthday coming along. And he was sitting behind me, and I heard him saying, oh, I'm in the departure lounge. 
Okay, full of hope. And, uh, <laughs> and I kind of threw in my tuppence worth as I do, and I said, well, brother, you may be, but sometimes the flight is delayed. <laughs> and looking around, apart from these young people whom I could go and hug you for being here, but I might be arrested. So, <laughs> a, apart from the young people, we're all of, well, many of us are of that kind of age. And we're trying to figure out how at my stage can I devote myself to doing good? Now, I'm going through this at the moment because uh, I'm, I'm just a plain member of Bloomfield now. Nothing special, no longer on the staff. I, they rubbed me out very quickly off the bulletin. <laughs> uh, but there's, there's, this is the final phrase for us all. And uh, you see it at the very end where he says, devote yourselves, verse 14, to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live, and this is the phrase, unproductive lives. And it, 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 literally it is fruitless, without fruit. Now, we all those who believe in God, who rejoice when we are reminded of the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God, which there are passages here which really need to be studied, but I just don't have the time tonight. It will warm our hearts. We should be seeking to be fruitful not unfruitful, devoting ourselves. I'm, people are saying, well, uh, how are you enjoying retirement? And the answer is, not at all. Why? Because I don't know what to do. And I'm asking the Lord to show me. There'll be some little niche I'll be able to fill, and I'll be as happy as Laurie, and Ruth will be a lot healthier. There we go. But you, whatever your stage need to seek from the Lord how you are to be devoted to what? To doing good. And in this passage, we see a number of things. This, is an evan this has an evangelistic emphasis. An evangelistic emphasis. And what's that? So that in chapter 2, in verse 6 and verse 8, uh, so that uh, they have nothing bad to say about us. And verse 8, similarly. This may not be evangelism, it may be pre-evangelism, but we mustn't allow misunderstandings to, to be barriers to people coming to Jesus. So, my brothers and sisters, 
of whatever age. Can I leave this text with you to ponder? That we, uh, I want you to stress these things. Well, that's what I've been trying to do. So that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Let's pray. Lord, how far short we fall. How great is your love and your mercy. By your blessed Spirit, bring to our mind the way we should go. Bring to our hearts the warmth that the spiritual flame may be fanned into brightly burning. Bring to our wills that complete submission to your will and enable us to adorn the doctrine. Bring sparkle to the teaching as it is lived out in our lives and in the lives of this congregation. And to your name be all the glory. And benediction from the epistle to the Hebrews. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.